This is the Double A Balls Podcast with your hosts. See, now we're spitting hot fire and Las Vegas. Andrew Romanella. I like that. That's what I'm talking about. I'll be the best cheerleader. Father Time apparently doesn't know Tom Brady's address. And Anthony Rinaldi. Love the hardwood. That's my passion. Houston, they don't have a problem. Listen, you don't even have to listen. Now it's time for the show. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Welcome into the Friday morning dab third edition here on the Double A Balls podcast. Joining me on this call is always my partner, Anthony Rinaldi. Andrew, how the hell are you on Friday? I I am doing good, Anthony. Anytime, of course, we get a chance to talk about sports. It is a good day for me. We have to get our cup of joe going this morning. I want to get it started with the NBA playoffs because it is absolutely popping off. We made mention of something about two weeks ago where we felt like going into this NBA playoffs, it was going to be the most hectic and most opportunity for upset. And I think so far in the first week, we've gotten that. I think they're already, the NBA playoffs are already better than they were last year. I remember this time last year, you saw Cleveland, you saw Golden State. They were just steamrolling on their way to a third straight uh, meeting in the finals. But I think we're going to see a little bit different this year. And you could tell there's already that chippiness in the 76ers Heat series. You got the, you got the, 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 the Warriors in Houston basically steamrolling everybody. And the Pelicans. How about your Pelicans, Andrew? Up 3-0 on Dame Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. I think that's the one that surprises me the most because Portland was playing so well down the stretch. It was almost like they were unbeatable going into the playoffs. And just to rattle off some of these playoff series, and it's kind of funny because with all the worry that there was in Golden State, Golden State's up 3 nothing on San Antonio, and it looks like that wasn't even going to be a series. Portland down 3-0 to New Orleans, like you said, game four in New Orleans. Oklahoma City and Utah tied. 1-1 going to Utah. Houston versus Minnesota. Houston is up 2-0. It looks like Minnesota, which we thought could be a team that arrived this year and made some scare in the West. It looks like they're still about one year away from that. Boston up 2-0 on Milwaukee in the East. Philadelphia up 2-1 against Miami. That's been a fun and entertaining series. Cleveland and Indiana tied 1-1, which is probably the series getting the most burn right now in terms of discussion because LeBron James has never lost a first round series and then to round it off currently Toronto up two nothing on Washington another series that is not as tight as people may have imagined I'm just looking I actually watched some of that 76er game last night just to see what your boy Embiid would do because uh, he was bitching and complaining that he wasn't that he was ready to play but he wasn't cleared to play well apparently he was cleared to play last night Andrew and I think he did some damage. I think he dropped like 23. Oh, he had a night last night. Let me see real quick. Yeah, and 20. I credit because he played 30 minutes. And that was the first thing I was looking at was how much were they going to play him? Now, I know it's the playoffs, so you kind of throw conventional out of the way. But just to give you his line, 5 of 11 from the field, 23 points, threw in seven rebounds. And the stuff that I love to see was three blocks one steal and four assists, and he was at the free throw line fifteen times. Yeah, he. Like, I think his quote was uh, fitting at the end of the game. He said, "I'm going to be a nightmare for the Miami Heat." So clearly, 
that series is exactly what the NBA wanted. A little chippiness back and forth. You saw your boy Drogic and Bellinelli the year I love going that. at it. I love so that. You saw them get at it a little bit. And then they were hit shots in each other's faces for the next five minutes. Yeah, it was, I mean, I want to say they actually try to play defense because it looked like they were playing defense, but, I mean, they're, they're pros, Andrew. They're, they're knocking down jump shots regardless. My question, was, for, my question for you, Andrew, is did that OKC-Utah game open any eyes? I know the first game we kind of, we kind of thought it would be a series, and the first game OKC kind of handled business, but then Donovan Mitchell showed up. I think it is opening eyes just from the standpoint of at the end of the day, everybody assumes that by putting Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Carmelo Anthony together, having them play an 82-game regular season, they could easily just go on and win the title for Oklahoma City this year. And boom, that's that. But what you're seeing is how hard it is to put three what you would probably consider superstars. I'd say Carmelo's fallen out of that ranks right now, but Throughout the majority of his career, if you're a top 20 scorer in NBA all-time history, you're a superstar. So to put three superstars on in one lineup, you can see where the inconsistencies come in. And what's even worse is what happened the other night when all three were terrible. Russell Westbrook was 7-19 from the field. Paul George was 6-21 from the field. Carmelo Anthony was 6-18 from the field. And in the fourth quarter, when it mattered the most, they scored a measly two points. I believe they, both of those were from the foul line. They were Oh, for 14 in the fourth quarter. And that's what scares me the most because you can't have all three of those guys being bad all like that on one night. I'm not too worried about Wessel Rustbrook and playoff P showing up. Playoff P is killing me in my what do you got? I was going to ask you, what, what, I think personally, I think I should take a 2-0 lead on that just because, I mean, or we could discuss it because both of our teams lost. I took Oladipo and you took Paul George. Obviously, they both had similar games, but their team didn't win. So I don't know how you feel about that. But I felt like, obviously, my game maybe a little bit closer, a little more back and forth towards the end there, especially with uh, Oladipo missing that, that three with like 20 seconds to go to tie the game. That might have been a dagger for Cleveland, which brings me to my next point, Andrew. Cleveland Cavaliers, you got to be worried that LeBron James knocks down 46 and you only win by three. We'll get into the what do you got on Tuesday morning show because I have some opinion on that as well since Paul George did go for a double-double because he did throw in 10 rebounds. That's, uh, that's true. But I do possibly agree with you on your game. So obviously people out there listening on Tuesday. And obviously I tweeted this out uh, at Double A Balls on Twitter and Instagram. Obviously follow the show social media. But I tweeted this out trying to get an idea because they were both pretty comparable from the what do you got standpoint, Paul George and Victor Oladipo to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I completely agree. When I was listening, I listened to majority of that game on the radio, which is actually pretty entertaining to do. And at the end of the day, when I heard LeBron James scored the first 16 points for the Cavaliers and they came out on fire, I think J.R. Smith forced three steals in like the first minute and a half of the game. Their lineup change was working. When I heard that, Anthony, I couldn't help but say to myself, uh-oh, okay, Cleveland's back. Okay, this is what we all expected from them in the playoffs. And all of a sudden, it's in the fourth quarter of that game. I, I look at the scoreboard. It's like three minutes left. It's a six-point game, and Indiana has worked their butts off to get back into it. And that right there is the reason why I have the field. And I don't think Cleveland's going to the finals because 
They're not good enough defensively, I will keep saying it, to be able to make a run this year. And I do believe this is the first year. I've been on Indiana's bandwagon for how long, Anthony? This is the first time I believe LeBron loses in the first round of the playoffs. I think they, they, they put up some kind of crazy stat about LeBron in the first round playoffs. But, I mean, I know you're talking about defense. And that's obviously they always say defense wins championships. But they've, they've kept Indiana under 100 points both games. They haven't scored much many more points. Yeah, but, uh, he, but here's my thing. It's not like Indiana's a prolific offense. So, great. You're keeping the Indiana Pacers under 100 points barely each game. To me, that means that when they play the Boston Celtics, they're giving up 110-112. When they play the Toronto Raptors, they're giving up 110-112. That's to me, that's what that means, because really, I look at the Indiana Pacers lineup and I say, it's Victor Oladipo and it's everybody else. That's, that's pretty much the way I look at it. I mean, yeah, they got Bogdanovich, they got Terrence Young, Turner, and Darren Collison are the four starters with Victor Oladipo in the playoffs. That combination, yeah, Miles Turner, 18 points, Darren Collison, 16, Bogdanovich and Young each brought eight. At the end of the day, it's really just Victor Oladipo in my mind and everybody else. That's what scares me about the Cavs. Definitely will be a fun series going out the rest of the way. In the first, second game of the series, when Cleveland jumps out to an astronomical lead so early, and it almost looks like you could have buried Indiana early, Indiana finds a way to shoot 50% from the field, seven different players on their roster. You go to game number one. And you look at it, four different guys, five different guys on the Pacers shot above 50%. So do you see my see what I'm saying there? So it might not be the volume or the amount of points, but through two games, the Indiana Pacers have shot above 46%. And to break it down even more, the more important guys on their roster have shot above 50%. I'm not, I'm not too concerned. Come on. It's LeBron James, Andrew. Stop acting a fool. Like you got some kind of chance over there. I'm sorry that your bananas are going to go, but the field is going to win this one. Either way, we've heard a lot of talk about Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell in this playoffs. We just spoke about the Sixers. We, we spoke about Utah. There's no denying the importance these guys have to their ball clubs. But please, if you had to pick one, rookie of the year voting, Anthony Rinaldi, you're a basketball writer. You're the deciding vote. Who do you have? Wow. That is the question of all questions. Because at the end of the day, it's between these two. Double-double yesterday. Yeah. He had 37 double-doubles Ben Simmons had throughout the regular season and 12 triple-doubles. I jotted down some of their numbers just to see how comparable they are. And actually, I mean, I, I, I think – I hope, just to make it easy on everybody. I believe they should be co-rookie co of the years. Obviously, they can't vote on that. It just kind of has to happen that way by numbers. But, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, the average 20.5. Ben Simmons averaged 15.8. Assists, obviously, Ben Simmons a little bit more of a creator, 8.2 to Ben Simmons 3.7. Free throw, free throw percentage, obviously, is a lot more. I don't think Ben Simmons can shoot a lick. But that doesn't mean you still can't distribute, make plays, get grab rebounds, and keep everybody engaged. So for my money, and I hate to say it because I hate giving Philadelphia props, but I'm leaning towards Ben Simmons, even though he's not a rookie technically, because he I mean he was injured and missed all of the first his first season. But 
I mean, just the fact that he is – I mean, what do you have, 27 triple-doubles or something like that? 30, uh, 12 triple-doubles and 37 okay. double-doubles. Okay, so I knew right, – so I mean, even, even to score 12 triple-doubles, that's something, that's something pretty, pretty uh, entertaining and special, especially in the NBA when a lot of, a lot of the NBA has got to get mine, got to get mine. Um, so, yeah, right now, as much as Donovan Mitchell, he's, I think he scored 55 points in his first two playoff games. He's some. He's with some elite company in that aspect, but I think I'm going to chalk it up to to the process and give and give Ben Simmons the nod right now. But I wouldn't be upset if they both got Rookie of the Year and they split it. Well, and I agree with that. The only difficulty with that is, of course, you can't just make that the decision. It has to be voted upon that way by chance. So I think that's what's difficult. And and all year, Anthony, I've been leaning towards Ben Simmons. I just think that. I mean, you mentioned the stats. I mentioned what he's done in terms of triple doubles and double doubles. And he's the only player. And since I think it was magic Johnson to record that many double doubles in one season, and he's been breaking records all year. And I don't believe that it was his rookie year last year. I don't care what anyone tells me. It doesn't matter to me. If you're injured the whole year, you don't, you barely play. If not, the summer league only that you're, you're still a rookie. So to me, I take that conversation out of it. The only problem for me with the Donovan Mitchell and not giving it to him is I'm thinking about the worth to his team. I feel like, and you could tell me if I'm wrong and I could be very much wrong, but if you take Ben Simmons off the Philadelphia 76ers, they're probably still maybe the eight seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs. They're still probably fighting for a playoff spot. If you take Donovan Mitchell off the Utah Jazz, they might not win 15 games. I truly believe that. Yeah, so that kind of puts a detriment to our argument there for Ben Simmons. But, but I think that's what, what where, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I think that's where it, it depends on what you believe. Is the rookie of the year just straight up the best player in the NBA? It does not matter what his team worth is it's really just how good you are in terms of rookies or is it like an mvp race where you factor in how well the team did and what you actually mattered and get in terms of getting your team wins like i said i'd be good either way if 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 donovan mitchell won i can understand if ben simmons wins i understand if i get cohen rookie of the years i understand i I don't have a dog in the fight my only my only beef is donovan mitchell should have been a nick Again, thank you, Phil Jackson. Yeah, it, it was it was Donovan Mitchell, or was the guy in in Dallas? Correct. Yes, Dennis Smith. Dennis Jr. Smith Jr. Yeah, but we chose yeah. Frank Nilakina. I think either one, you're living there. So that rookie of the year debate is going to keep heating up. I mean, at the end of the day, both guys are doing great things. Their teams are in the playoffs and they don't care about rookie of the year as much as they care about making a splash in these NBA playoffs right now. But either way, it's a fun debate to have. You just mentioned the Knickerbockers. I've been scrolling through the intranet. I've been listening to sports radio. I'm going to list off the candidates the Knicks have coming in for the potential head coaching position. And I want to get your opinion on where you're thinking they're leaning right now. So the the four top guys you're probably reading the most are David Blatt, David Fisdale, Mark Jackson, and Jerry Stackhouse. And then you also throw in Mike Woodson, former head coach of the New York Knicks. And you also throw in Jay Wright, who will be contacted by the Knicks and is currently the head coach of Villanova. Anthony, does, do any of those names start moving the needle for you in terms of the Knicks coaching search? No. 
I mean, listen, the Knicks, I told you what my grandfather told me a long time ago, that a fish stinks from the head down. So until we get rid of James Dolan, the Knicks are going to be a terrible, terrible organization. But obviously, we're not firing the owner, and we're not going to get a new one. He's not going to sell because that's a cash cow. I think the, the Knicks are rated the highest or wealthiest franchise at like $4.some billion, which is absurd. I, I wouldn't mind, frankly, I wouldn't mind any four, four of those coaches you just mentioned. I, I mean, Jerry Stackhouse, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of Jerry Stackhouse. I'm not sure you want to get a young, young buck right, off, right out of the, you know, I mean, obviously he's been coaching the G League, so he's been doing some nice things in the G League, but again, that's the G League. Uh, kind of a dark horse candidate I heard yesterday was Kenny Smith. Yeah, the at, analyst. At the TNT booth. Yeah. And frankly, if, if they were going to go that route, I'd either want Shaq or Charles, but hey. Well, do you, know that, do you know why they're starting to go that way? Is because apparently the Knicks have invested a lot of time in learning a process from the New York Yankees, which they felt has been very successful over the course of the last 20 to 30 years. Because if you think about it, and I know the jury's still out on Aaron Boone, but in the last 20 years, the New York Yankees have only had two managers between Joe Torre and Joe Girardi. So a lot of the reports coming out of the Knicks front office is that they're trying to learn from the process the Yankees were going through. Well, if you think about it, the Yankees just plucked an analyst from ESPN and put him in as the manager of the New York Yankees. It's just kind of funny that you see that consistency with the process. But at the end of the day, I think you all you care about, Anthony, and every other New York Knicks fan out there is, if it results in wins and this organization taking steps forward, you're in for it. Obviously, the sexy pick is Mark Jackson. You, you hear sports talk radio in this area. Everyone's talking about New York, New York boy, you know, born in Queens, played at St. John's, played for the Knicks. Basically, you know, almost, basically salvaged Patrick Ewing's career at the end there. You know, turned them around. He turned uh, the Pacers around when he got traded there. Was a big factor with Reggie Miller to whoop up on the Knicks in the '90s, which is always painstaking. Uh, I, I mean, Mike, Mike Woodson had a 580 win percentage with the Knicks. He was 109 and 79 with the three seasons with the Knicks. I kind of liked it the way the team was going with him. We had that 54 win season, I believe, under him. He got the most out of his players. David Blatt, most people be like, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, I mean, he coached LeBron to a championship. They lost that one. Then I think he was like 38, and they fired him. So it's like, wow, like what did he do wrong? Apparently, he's not a player's coach. Uh, and David Fisdale. I think David Fisdale may – I think him and Mark Jackson have the inside track to land the next job. I wouldn't mind Fisdale. I like what he did out in Memphis. But apparently he didn't get along with Paul, uh, Marcus Saul and uh, the, the, the ownership went, obviously stayed with the player and cut ties with Fisdale. So, I mean, they, they say he's a player's coach. The Knicks have been preaching we want a player's coach, one who's going to coach defense and one who's going to be engaged and one who's going to you know, kind of work with the upper management, going to work with Scott Perry and Steve Mills and make you know, team organization decisions together, not just kind of be like a Phil Jackson out there in Montana smoking peyote talking about drafting a French rookie 19-year-old point guard. And really just taking money from the Knicks and not doing anything to benefit the organization. No, he set us back five years, if anything. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing. And I agree. See, the, there's some, been some reports coming out of Golden State about Mark Jackson and the way he handled some of his players and yada, yada, yada. At the end of the day, for me, my list comes down to David Fisdale and Mark Jackson. 
Mike Woodson was a great coach for the Knicks. He's the last time they won, they won 54 games and won a playoff series. He was the head coach. But I'm a firm believer in moving forward and not moving backwards. And I think no matter how good of a head coach Mike Woodson might be for the Knicks, for me, at the end of the day, I'm going to keep moving forward. So that eliminates him. David Blatt does nothing for me in terms of player emotions and, and handling probably the media in New York. He just doesn't look like the personality guy. Get him out of there. I love David Fisdale. I think he's one of the best young coaches. I think the situation in Memphis was ridiculous. They essentially chose Mark Gasol over him. If LeBron James is backing a dude, he's somebody that I probably want on my sidelines. And then Mark Jackson, listen, Mark Jackson did what the Knicks are looking for, and that's rebuild the Golden State Warriors. People forget that Steve Kerr got a team handed to him that was ready to win thanks to what Mark Jackson did for four or five years. The only problem with Mark Jackson was he wasn't progressive enough in his coaching. He didn't want media members in practice. He didn't want front office members in practice. He would oftentimes get criticized for having closed doors practices because he wanted to keep the sanctuary of the team together and not have any of that outside noise. In New York, that probably won't fly. But at the end of the day, the dude has already done what you're looking for him to do in another place, and you saw the results of that. So those are, Anthony, at the end of the day, those are my two candidates for the Knicks that I'm looking for. That if I'm a fan and I don't see any of the, either of those two hired, I'm probably going to be a little disappointed. Yeah, I, 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 that, I, I think you nailed it on the head, Andrew. I think it's going to be Fizdale or Jackson. One of those two guys will get the job. And we'll have the wonderful just joy of carrying the Knicks through a miserable season because KP won't be back for half the season. They're going to be garbage. We're going to get some picks, hopefully. We're going to have to rebuild it, knock it down, tear the garden up. Let's rebuild. Call your boy Frankie Franchise. Maybe he can build me a new garden. I need a new squad. That's why I'm rolling with Golden State. All the way to the finals, Andrew. Well, they look really good right now. And the crazy part about it is they're only going to get Steph Curry back in the second round. So they're only going to get better. And, and one thing I just want to say also, because we're mentioning Golden State, and obviously we know they're playing the San Antonio Spurs. For those of you that don't know, Erin Popovich, the wife of Greg Popovich, sadly passed away due to an illness that they were able to keep pretty quiet for a while, which I, I think was, was probably great for the Popovich family, but just from the double A ball podcast to, to the Popovich family, the San Antonio Spurs, our, our thoughts and our prayers go out to them. Greg Popovich was unable to coach game three last night where Golden State beat San Antonio 110 to 97. So our thoughts and prayers are out to the Popovich family. Just want to give you a few series that we mentioned that we want you to, to watch this weekend. And it all starts tonight, Friday night with the Cleveland Cavaliers against the Indiana Pacers. That, Series now shifts to Indiana. That game's on ESPN. That's a 7 o'clock start, so go watch that. Game three, you have the Raptors, Wizards, Celtics, Bucks tonight, but both those series are 2-0, and I think both are probably out of striking distance. Then you flip to Saturday, and again, we talked a lot about the Thunder Jazz, a lot about the 76ers Heat, and you have those two games tipping off. One's an afternoon set. 76ers at Heat, that's game four in Miami, 2-1, 76ers lead. And then at 10 p.m. at night, the other end of the spectrum, you have the Jazz versus the Thunder. And then on Sunday, that's when game four of Cavaliers-Pacers. So you have the opportunity, if you're out there watching, between Friday and Sunday to watch the Cavs and Pacers go at it twice. And why that's so great is because that is shaping up to be a very very historic series, especially depends on what happens tonight in Game 3. Watch the hardwood. 
Love the hardwood. Can't get enough of the hardwood, Andrew. And I know we talked a lot of basketball, all basketball here on the Friday morning dab third edition, but that's just because we are so fired up what is going on in the playoffs. And as we move forward on these Friday morning dabs, we're going to try and tailor them something a little bit different than what we're doing every single Tuesday, because we want to give you every angle of Anthony Rinaldi and Andrew Romanella and the double a balls podcast. So today we were feeling the hardwood, Anthony feeling the hardwood every single day. So we wanted to get into some conversation. But just remember, DAABpodcast.com, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Podbean, visit PowerOnPerformance.com, double A balls in the search, you'll find your gear. And of course, follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, at double A balls on both. Anthony, we have a good show coming up on Tuesday. Just want to give the people something to look forward to. We're going to dive deep into the NHL playoffs as some series have already come to an end. And we have some series that are going to be going deep. So Frankie Franchise and the NHL Update will come your way on Tuesday. We're also going to get into the MLB a little bit. The Yankees, your Yankees right now, Anthony, are real in just a little bit. As the one last night. We took one last night. They did win last. We'll take it. After a tough loss against the Marlins, so I was a good bounce back. But unfortunately, the Red Sox are flying up in the standings as they are handling. They are taking care of business against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and Shohei Otani. So that we will get into as well. Plus, the NFL draft just one week away. So Anthony and I will give you our predictions for the first 10 picks in the draft. No, we are not going to go full mock draft. No, we are not going to go full first round. We Neither of us have the attention span, nor are we smart enough to get that done for you. So we will simply Correct, give Bob. you the first 10 picks. So a lot to look forward to this week, Anthony, on the Double A Balls podcast. Andrew, I, I greatly appreciate your ability to wake me up on a Friday morning to talk sports. Time to go to work, Andrew. Time to get paid. Make that paper. Everybody, it's the weekend. Have a great weekend. Watch the hockey playoffs. Watch the basketball playoffs. Baseball's jumping in, getting hot and ready to go. Mets, Yankees. Can't wait to talk to you on Tuesday, Andrew. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Subscribe. The Friday Morning Dab, episode three. This is the Double A Balls podcast. I am Andrew Romanella. That is my partner, Anthony Rinaldi. Twitter, Instagram, Double A Balls on both DAABpodcast.com. We are out. This has been the Double A Balls Podcast, powered by Power Arm Performance, your leader in baseball and softball training apparel. Visit www.powerarmperformance.com to get your apparel and start training like the pros today.